I'm Ruth Mortimer, Managing Director for Global Education at Advertising Week, and I'm Joey Leichman, VP of Buyer Development at OpenX, and you're listening to the Agency Roadshow. In this series, we're going to be talking with top agency executives from across the digital media landscape. We know everyone wants to know what's coming next. So we're going to ask them to take us behind the scenes of agency life today and quiz them relentlessly about their roles, the future, and what goes on at an agency today. Joey, tell us a little bit about who we're going to meet on the Agency Roadshow today. Thanks, Ruth. Today, we are meeting Jay Askenazi, Chief Growth Officer at Publicis Group. Jay is extremely interesting, not just on a personal level, which is true, by the way, he's a great guy, but also because, as you'll hear, he initially came into Publicis by way of acquisition. And now part of his role is helping Publicis continue to integrate new acquisitions. So now let us welcome Jay Askenazi, Chief Growth Officer at Publicis Group, to the show. Jay, welcome to the Agency Roadshow. Thank you, Ruth. Thanks for having me. So let's dive in right away, um, hearing a bit more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Publicis? So I actually started my career on the agency side of the business at Omnicom as a national video buyer after an illustrious uh, three years selling newspaper advertising at the University of Maryland, which uh, I like to say sparked my interest in, in ad sales and marketing at a young age. So I started learning broadcast, quickly realized that if you weren't staying digitally savvy in our business at that time, that uh, you'd fall behind. And, and I moved after a couple of years to the digital sales side of the business, made my way through that organization and ended up leaving. Undertone was the company running uh, a large sales team, went to then a startup because at that point in the industry, the evolution was really moving much more towards real-time bidding, programmatic data, et cetera, uh, to a startup called Run that was focused on mobile and cookie-less identification. That was an exciting opportunity to, to build and help build from scratch with the co-founders and, and our team. Uh, that business was then sold to Publicis in 2014, which was, which was a great feeling of accomplishment. And very interesting landing spot at the time. You wouldn't think that holding companies would be buying ad tech, but they were. And I stayed at Publicis, integrating the run business and leading our, at the time, precision business, which is the global programmatic data and technology uh, center of excellence, if you will. And then a number of years ago, I moved on to AT&T. And at that point, AT&T was going through a very public battle with the government, but we were bringing together the DirecTV advanced video assets with AppNexus as an acquisition in ad tech with the AT&T data business into what was called Xander. So I helped launch that brand and led our agency and platform sales team there. That was an excellent journey and I learned a ton and you know, AT&T has had some, some public challenges with the media business that most folks are aware of. And um, about a year and change ago, I got a call from my my old employer and, and publicist to come back with a very different opportunity that uh, I had previously at the group. And this was at the group level. And 
Long story short is we ended up moving forward and I joined just about a year ago and I am now tasked with leading growth in the U.S. for publicists. And what that practically means is thinking about how we make our clients successful and provide value to them every single day while balancing that with what's strategically important for the group, uh, really across product and revenue strategy. So it's not traditional agency new business, but it's focused on all of our assets outside of the agency services and uh, bringing them to clients that will extract value from them. So it feels like you've kind of managed to be everywhere that's hot in the industry at just the right moment. But is there a theme across this incredible career that you'd say links all these roles together? Incredible career. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't think about it that way, but I guess if I had to pin it down, it would be making sure that you're always thinking about what's next and what's changing and, and where you want to become expert in. Uh, I do a lot of reading uh, personally and professionally and, and making sure that I know what's going on with all parts of the ecosystem, whether that's the technology, the media organizations, agencies, brands. And I think making sure that you're well-rounded in what's happening, what's next, where the challenges lay, uh, will allow you to continue, as Mr. Gretzky once said, skating to where the puck is going, not where it is right now. And that's something that I am very passionate about. And I talk to my team about all the time. And it's not just about what's the next job. It's really about how do you do your current job most effectively by making sure that in this case, we're steering the product strategy of the group towards areas of the industry that we know are changing and we know will be either challenges or opportunities. And I think there's a bunch of those examples uh, that are playing out in real time uh, as we speak. I think it's always an incredible career when you get to kind of have your finger on the pulse of the future. I, I guess I'd love to know, could you contextualize a bit when we come to publicists about where your team sits within it and maybe a bit about how that's evolved over the next few years? Um, over the next few years, I'm already looking to the future, Jay. Could you, could you tell us a bit about how that's evolved over the last few years and then what it does today? Of course. Uh, so, my team is at the group level, group with an E. I report to Artur, our fearless leader and CEO. So we want to make sure that we're looking across the businesses with a neutral lens and we're not in one of the operating businesses, whether that be Sapien or Epsilon or Publicist Media, all of which are doing incredibly well and successful and highly complementary of one another. We're tasked with making sure that that's seamless in terms of the ability for them to work together because we have lots of clients that have relationships across many of our different business units. And that can be complex, obviously, since you know there's um, lots of different types of engagements and different scopes and different geographies and commercial models and, and all the rest of it. So being at the group level is really important because we're able to be uh, mindful of all of the businesses and, and try and put, again, the client at the center, irrespective of what business unit we're working with. And that's what allows our power of one story at Publicist to really come to life and, and allows us to operate uh, seamlessly across the businesses. So that that is right now in terms of, you know, you asked about where we see that evolving in the future. I'm not really sure as of now doing 
some great work and we've been embraced by these different business units. We probably work the most with Epsilon and Publicist Media today. And it's important for us to provide a value to those businesses because, again, we sit outside of the day-to-day practices, but we want to make sure that we're not just another person or another team of people that they need to engage with and talk with, but rather they feel like they're getting something from us every time uh, we engage and, and, and making sure that we are providing ROI into those businesses. So um, not really sure what the evolution looks like. I, I hope we maintain on this path and continue to grow and have successful client engagements as we are right now. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So Jay, I'd love to hit on that a little bit more. I and mean, Publicis obviously is massive, just like the other holding companies. You've got offices across continents, across time zones, disciplines. You just mentioned the variety of commercial models and clients. Google, which is maybe of dubious authority, but if you Google it, uh, it says that you guys had 76,000 employees roughly last year. So that's just a lot of people in a lot of places doing different things. When you think about it, what are some of the, the benefits or the challenges or just the things that are top of mind when you, when you look at how you operate inside of a truly global organization with, with so many arms and legs? It is non-trivial. And I thought that it was big until I went to AT&T, which at last count, or at least when I was there, had 250,000 employees. That makes everything else look more manageable. But when you break it down into geographies and business units and, and ultimately teams and client businesses, it is more manageable. I think you know we need to use some of the centralized resources that have been put in place over the years to help navigate and cascade messaging and communication. So we do that. We have very regular cadence with the leaders of some of those groups that, you know, represent our top global clients or represent certain verticals or um, certain service organizations. So we, we make sure that those folks are connecting. We have some great internal tools like Marcel, uh, which we've talked about publicly and launched a number of years ago with Microsoft that allows for internal communication and managing of talent across different opportunities. That's been really great, both for, for, for communication, ensuring we're maximizing our existing assets and people, and also even just a central repository for talent evaluations and, and reviews, right? And, and it's been you know, that wasn't up and running when I was here previously, and, and it is now, and it's been great to see that. And I think it's a, it's a really powerful tool. And to your point, it's, it's the people, it's, and, and really it's the combination of the number of people and the geographies that make it challenging, time zones, languages, you name it. But I think we've managed it well. And quite frankly, as much as work from home is hard on a number of fronts, Using Microsoft Teams more religiously is something that has allowed us to connect more easily with people that it would take days or weeks to get on their calendar. So that part of it has been a real silver lining and I think also helps with the navigation that you asked about. Yeah, and since you just brought it up, what do, at least to the extent that, that you know, what do the next few months look like in terms of working from home returning to the office or getting back to some regular cadence of business travel? So what's first and foremost, and our tour is very clear about this all the time, it's really about our people and making sure everyone feels comfortable and safe and their families feel safe. So 
right now, there is no obligation for anyone to do anything that they aren't comfortable other than, you know, being at home and, and being productive. That said, like, like the rest of the industry, the rest of the world, there's starting to be more in-person engagement, whether that's, you know, safe re-entry into the office and, uh, you know, having some meetings in person or outdoor get togethers or meals or things that we weren't able to do for the last couple of years. And, and that has started to become a little bit more regular for, for people that want to and are comfortable doing it. And, and I think that that's been really nice and the ability to reconnect with folks or even meet people for the first time, you know, myself having rejoined the group about a year ago, there are a lot of people I haven't met in person yet. And creating some of that human connection is important, but we only want to do it when everyone's comfortable and safe doing it. So, you know, right now, I don't even know if I'd call it an in-between period because there isn't yet a plan in terms of a date or a number of days in the office and all the rest of it. But as much as we've been public about everyone's safety being paramount, of course, We've also been public about the fact that we believe we're in a people business and an interaction business. And we do believe that the office will have some part of our journey, you know, going forward it will be an important part of it, but how much and how often to be determined, but there will be some balance and, and ultimately, you know, being flexible for individuals and their needs and the company's needs and our clients' needs, right? That's that's obviously a big driver too, is which of our brands are going back and who do they want to see in person or not. And we'll land on something that hopefully is amenable for most everybody. So you mentioned something really important there about people. And we were just talking about how you came to Publicis the first time via the acquisition of Run. And if we fast forward a little bit to 2019, there was obviously a big splash with their Epsilon acquisition as well. And then this July, Publicis bought Citrus Ad. So I've got two questions for you, I guess, that are really about people. So first of all, what's the big challenges of integrating a new company, especially during COVID? I think that there's no book on this. Anyone that tells you that they know exactly how to do it is a bit full of it, but I think it's something that we are working on and getting better. And I will tell you, so Citrus in the US is my responsibility. So I could speak about that from a firsthand basis. And we are attempting to over-communicate as much as possible, share information, allow for forums where a newly acquired company can ask open questions to folks that maybe they aren't in front of every day. And we have set up a full integration plan that contemplates all of the different types of lines of business, not just go to market and sales and marketing and client-based things, but finance and legal and human resources and all of the things that that make the business go. And, and it's easy to perhaps lose sight of some of that if you're not in it every day, if that's not your team. But it's, it's so important. We want people to have a sense of belonging. We want people to feel like they understand the business that they've been acquired by and are now part of. We've, we've had forums where Artur and other senior executives, again, in the case of Citrus, have, have made themselves available to that team just again, to answer questions and make sure everyone understands 
where they fit and, and how, what our plan is going forward and, and how we'll continue to evolve. So it's that human interaction. And while it isn't face-to-face right now, even over the phone and virtually and making sure that you're always available and that you're caring for the various parts of the business are really important. Epsilon, and I was not here when that was acquired, like you said, I think June of 19. That's a much, much bigger business, 8,000 employees, you know, well well north of a billion dollars in revenue. And that, that has different types of challenges associated because of the scale. But also, it's a, it's a much more established, large, well-run organization unto itself. So it isn't something in startup mode and growth mode that needs to be managed carefully. But it's more about recognizing what are the synergies and where are the areas that the group can help Epsilon and Epsilon can help the group. And we spend a lot of time on that, you know, and that's one of the biggest areas of focus for my team in particular. And it's something that you only learn by spending time and being educated really on the products and, and the capabilities and, and the client businesses that's been successful. So it's a huge time commitment, more than it would have been in the past where you can get in a room and hash some things out and whiteboard and, and do all those fun things. But if you're focused on it and you know that that's ultimately your goal, then you need to just quite frankly, in my opinion, at least dedicate a bit more time than you would have otherwise. And meeting one-to-one matters, even virtually. And that may take more time to get through different people, but I believe it's worth it because everyone has a different perspective and you need to find some folks that you wouldn't naturally bump into in the hallway or get to go for lunch with or all the rest of it. Yeah, I think there's some really good advice there. And you mentioned the kind of the strategy part of kind of um, really understanding those businesses that you're buying and acquiring. And without revealing all your state secrets, or you can, I'm, I'm totally happy if you want to. Um, <laughs> how do you actually go about that process? How do you evaluate, you know, should we buy this versus should we build it versus should we partner? So there's no one size fits all there. I think it really depends on the type of business and what's happening in the market. And like we said at the beginning, where we believe we want to go as a business and more importantly, where our clients want to go. So I think it really depends on the type of opportunity. Is it horizontal or vertical? Is it, it, are we filling a gap? Are we reinforcing existing capability? Are we, you know, thinking a little bit about placing bets for the future, strategic bets for the future? And, and depending on what that ultimate desired outcome is, the, the process and the strategy for M&A changes. I think you know, what we do is we stay in conversations very regularly so that we know what's happening in the market and we understand what's out there and what makes sense. And, and we have a playbook around how we would integrate a business and, and where we can, you know, what, are, what are the core sort of group strategies that need to be reinforced in these areas. And if they check certain boxes of reinforcing those existing group strategies, or again, client asks, then, you know, we'll, we'll take a more serious approach than just sort of meeting and, and understanding and going through the typical diligence process. So it's, it's, I'm not trying to give you a cop-out answer there. It really depends on the type of business it is, but you know, as a, as a large global holding company, we're a diversified business by nature. And therefore, we have lots of different 
types of companies within our portfolio. And we want to make sure that ultimately they're all in service of our clients who are the most important, as well as our people, of course. So Jay, pulling this back up a little bit in terms of just core mission and and core function, in your view, what is the role moving into 2022 of an agency and of a holding company? And, And do you think that that's different than maybe, I don't know, five years ago? You know, I think I would break it down a little bit. And again, this isn't necessarily, this isn't just a publicist answer per se. You know, it's more where we're going as a business and an, an industry. Perhaps five years ago, to use your, your numbers, agencies were more well known for buying clout, negotiating leverage, working with the big television networks for the upfront, programmatic, hands-on keyboards, And again, talking more about the media agencies here, certainly there's much more than that, whether it's publicist or broad, you know, creative, shopper, you name it. But but focused on the media agencies, I'd say today, those things are still hugely important uh, in terms of, you know, investment strategy, negotiations, making sure our clients get what's best for them. I think the capabilities have evolved quite a bit though, right? And, and look at the, the large M&A that has happened with at least three of the big holding companies, ourselves included, around data businesses and MarTech businesses and being able to offer more full service capability for our clients, the ability to work safely and securely with first party data or partner data, the way to help them future-proof themselves around things like cookie deprecation and privacy and some of those things that are really complicated. At its core, agencies are still and should still be the most trusted marketing partner that any brand has to help navigate the industry and all of the challenges that exist today with the client's best interest in mind, right? Like that is, that is, the core role. Now, what those services are, what the consulting capabilities are, where the money is being placed with respect to, you know, television dollars moving into other channels and legacy media like print and and at a home really changing and, and all the rest of it, you know, that's almost a byproduct of, of what's happening in the business. And obviously those numbers have changed just in the last five years, quite a bit. Retail media, like we were just talking about with Citrus being a whole new huge category that you know existed in some form five years ago, but very different than it does today. So it's all about coming back to, to trust in people and making sure that we are that, that de facto trusted partner for our brands, providing the best talent to work on their businesses and, and ideally solutions that fit needs that can drive value and, and ROI and sales for our customers. Yeah. How are your client expectations changing? Uh, And I'm sure this is also a broad one and and you may be forced to generalize a bit, but what are they asking for today? Maybe that they weren't asking for to use the same number five years ago, or are there expectations in terms of what you can deliver, even just in terms of performance that that didn't exist a a short time ago? I think it's just the, the ecosystem continues to evolve at a rapid, rapid clip and just staying up to speed on what's happening and truly understanding what the impact is in, at one level to the industry, at the second level to their business and ultimately to the consumer is really hard, you know, and you need experts that live and breathe it every single day beyond just 
living and breathing the brand to, to understand it. So I'd say what a lot of clients are asking for is just help in different ways. Uh, certainly the digitization of the economy and consumers, especially over the last two years, has rapidly evolved the need for digital transformation and, and making sure that your data is, of course, compliant and safe, but also usable in, in ways that the brands and the, and the consumers would find valuable. And the tech and tools that you need to do that have changed enormously over the last few years. And you know, our, our Sapien business does a lot of that today. Epsilon in the MarTech world and, and the agencies from a consulting and, and strategic implementation standpoint. So that's why you've seen the agencies, and again, I'm not, I'm not just talking about publicists here, continue to evolve and acquire in ways that are complementary to their core businesses because they need to be able to offer services and expertise in areas that they weren't asked about just a number of years ago. And that's exciting and something that we embrace. And again, we you know utilize our power of one strategy to bring the best of all of that together on behalf of a client. But it's something that is non-trivial and changing constantly and something that if you do it really well, your clients will value you even more. And that's what we strive for. So Jay, you've laid out for us quite clearly there kind of what client expectations is, how the agency's changing. But let's go back for a minute a little bit um, more to you. So I'm going to do um, a few kind of rapid fire questions, maybe a bit more about you. Um, and let's start with what keeps you up at night? Not, not potentially your newborn, but what single work thing causes you the most anxiety? Taking away my newborn answer. That was not, that was, that it was cruel. still the newborn Definitely people. There's no question. The great resignation is real. Um, and in no individual company, industry, geography is protected. And our entire industry, especially on our side of the business, is based on having great people to help service clients and deliver value. That, that's the whole thing. And without the right people, without people you could trust, especially working remotely, then none of it really matters. So for me, it's about how do we maintain an excellent culture, a place that people want to come work, where they're getting value, where they enjoy working with their colleagues and friends and on the businesses that we support. So it's, it's certainly that. Maybe on the, on the opposite side of that, but the converse, whether it's a piece of tech or a product or something you're working on that, that, that at least you, you can talk about, obviously, what's maybe the, the single most exciting thing that you're looking forward to? The two areas that we are focused on, I mean, we're focused on a lot, obviously, but my group in particular that are future leaning, very real today, but, but will continue to grow in importance for brands and media companies and customers is advanced video and retail media. And those are the things that I touch most on a day-to-day -day basis from a product standpoint, whether it's through Citrus, like I mentioned before, Epsilon has an existing capability in retail media that has been around for a while and they have true differentiation and, and has scaled incredibly well the last few years. So 
the combination of, of citrus and, and Epsilon plus what we're doing with our Lyft practice within Publicist Media, Lyft is our advanced video practice and thinking about where consumers are spending their time, how linear channels have really changed and what's going to happen as we go forward here with the continued erosion of rating points and subscribers. And, you know, still the television world is, you know, probably one of the largest, if not still the largest individual media channels that we have, but that obviously has to change. So, or will change, but it's changing in ways that we need to make sure we're ahead of, and we are guiding our clients and thinking about products that allow that to work and be measured effectively and planned effectively. And those are the two big areas at the moment that, that we're focused on. I'm going to come in with um, one of my favorite questions, which is what's a piece of advice that you have for someone who's just starting their career in the agency business, hoping to get their first job? What's the one thing you wish someone had told you? Great question. Uh, I think about this a lot and not just myself, but when I'm talking to some of our more junior staff members and newer team members that have that have joined more recently. I think about myself as that assistant buyer at PhD um, and where I struggled and where I gravitated towards. I think the biggest thing is coming back to something we talked about at the beginning, which is be a sponge, learn as much as possible, read as much as possible, listen and nowadays to podcasts. You have to be able to be dangerous in any number of ways. And the best way to continue to understand where you want to go next or what you want to do within your current company next is by understanding the marketplace, client needs, media company evolution, so on and so forth. So it really is about educating, reading, listening, and and maintaining a strong network because networking isn't just about selling or buying and and having you know a, a nice lunch or or what have you it's really about having people that you can trust and rely on as you go through this journey because everyone's going through this journey on their career and the only way that i know to have you know difficult questions answered or continue to make sure that you're making the right decisions or going to the right places is to bounce the those that thinking off of people that you trust and that's something I do every day, if not, you know, every, every couple of days, every week. And it's so important because ultimately this is a people business and that's how uh, you will, you know, sort of have the most likely path to success. Jay, that is awesome. And I think the perfect way for us to wrap up So Jay, I just want to thank you again for your time. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. And we're looking forward to our next chance to catch up with you. Same here. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Ruth. I enjoyed the chat and uh, look forward to, uh, to future opportunities. Thanks so much, Jay. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the Agency Roadshow. You can find us at your favorite podcast store where we'd appreciate you sharing with your colleagues. And if you have a minute, a kind review.